Good evening. And welcome. I'll add my welcome to the one that you've already received. It's uh, good to be together uh, this evening and to share God's word together. This evening we're going to, as Paulus said, we're going to continue to explore what God might be saying to us in this mini-series entitled God at Work with Us. When that uh, title came out, I was excited by it. It really, uh, I love the title because it puts the emphasis and the focus on the one who is directing all things. In John chapter 5 and verse 18, Jesus said to the Pharisees, My Father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. And so it's important for us to grasp this fact and not to realize, to realize that whatever we do for the Lord, we don't do it in our own strength, but rather as making ourselves available as channels for him to do his work through us. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus says those very familiar words, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And the Apostle Peter in his letter picks up that metaphor and he says in chapter 2, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, that is we also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And as we look at those two uh, quotations there, uh, we see a couple of interesting points. The first one is that we don't take the initiative. In the first of those quotations, it says, Jesus says, I will build my church. And in the second, from Peter, Peter says that we are being built. In other words, he uses a passive form of the verb. So we are not taking the initiative. It is God who takes the initiative in all things. And the other interesting point about those quotations is both of them are in the singular. Jesus says, I will build my church. And Peter talks about a spiritual house. One house. In other words, we are a collective we are not doing things in our own individually or in our own initiative. But we are under the direction and the leadership of the Lord himself. And he is building one house, one body. And I think these two points are very important. Over the last few months, a group of us have been meeting together on a Monday evening and we have been looking at the, uh, the course, the rooftop ministry course. 
and our brother Paul has been leading us in that. And the subtitle of that course is Joining Jesus in His Mission. In other words, Jesus is at work and we have the privilege of joining him in that work. And as we've been meeting together, we've been exploring and challenging one another about the meaning and the significance of mission and how we go about joining Jesus in that work. And so in the passages we read at the beginning, the risen Lord prepares his disciples for what is ahead of them. And there are one or two points of note as I read those together. In Matthew chapter 28, we read of the 11 disciples on the mount with Jesus. 11 disciples. We know that throughout the ministry of Jesus, there were many disciples. In fact, in Luke's Gospel chapter 6, the writer talks about a multitude of disciples. And we know of another instance where Jesus sent out 70 disciples to minister. But here, in this very momentous occasion, there are only 11 disciples. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, some doubted. So imagine a little group of 11, a little group over here, some doubted. doesn't say how many, but some. We often attribute doubting to Thomas. And poor Thomas is often known as Doubting Thomas. But Thomas was honest about his doubts when he met with Jesus. And after that encounter, he comes out with these amazing words. My Lord and my God. And so I suspect that of these 11 here, the some who doubted didn't include Thomas. And so here is this little group of disciples and Jesus commissions them for something which is going to change the whole world. And uh, they are told... Secondly, that future disciples were to obey everything that Jesus commanded them. There's something really interesting about that because in the Gospels we read about the disciples of Jesus and we read about the disciples of John. And it was customary at that time that a rabbi or a teacher would gather disciples around them. But these 11 disciples are told to go out and to preach the word. But they were not to gather disciples to themselves. They were to gather disciples to Jesus, the risen and ascended Lord. He was the teacher. And they were servants of that teacher, drawing others to him. And then we come to Acts chapter 1, and there are two points in that that are important. One is the promise of power. So in Matthew 28, we've got these 11 disciples, uh, many doubting. Here in chapter 1 of Acts, 
just before Jesus ascends into heaven, he says, you're going to wait here until you have received power. A power which will enable them to do all that he has called them to do. And so this disciple making is not in our own strength, indeed, and it is not in our own initiative. It is in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the second point in chapter 1 of Acts is while these uh, remain disciples, Jesus refers to them here as witnesses. And so as they receive the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, they're going to become witnesses. That is a step beyond being, they're going to continue as disciples, but they're going to become disciple makers in the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we've met together over these last few weeks and tried to understand what is church tried to understand what is mission and we've tried to understand what it means to be a disciple. And this evening I want to share quite briefly one or two of the things that we have learned about being a disciple. And I'm going to use three uh, illustrations or one illustration three times that uh, we saw in as we looked at the course together and so if we could have the first slide here we see a black line the black line indicates a, a, a journey a journey of faith in the church and in the middle we have a red cross and that red cross indicates a point where we as individuals or anyone comes to a place of faith where they acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. That he is the Redeemer. He is the one who has taken the initiative and has uh, led them to this place where they make a decision that they're going to submit to him, to submit to his Lordship, and they're going to become followers, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have that point, clear point in our lives of experience, what we often call our conversion. And the next picture, sorry, I just... Now here's another point. There's a blue cross here. This is on the same line, the same journey of faith. This is a point where somebody starts seeking. Not yet a believer. They've come to a point in their lives where they are looking for something that is real. Something that is missing in their lives. This can happen in many different ways. We know that the Holy Spirit, when he comes, is the one who convicts of sin. And so it could be someone who is just convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives to seek and find out answers to life. It may be an encounter that someone has with someone else 
who talks to them about their faith. There are many different ways that that person can come to that point. An interesting question as we think about that person is, are they a disciple? Are they part of the body of Christ? Are they part of the church? These are fascinating questions which we addressed. And when we think about the question, are they a disciple? We think about the disciples themselves. Even at the end of the ministry of Jesus, just before he ascends into heaven, we're told that some of them doubted. And so I think we came to a conclusion, certainly, that that person was on a journey as a disciple. As we read through the Gospels, we come on many instances where, particularly in John 6, I think it is, where disciples are find the teaching of Jesus challenging and difficult. And John writes there that at that point, many left and stopped following Jesus. They'd been disciples, but it got too hard. And so there's a third uh, slide. We've got a a green cross this time. This indicates someone who has made a commitment, is, uh, as we say, converted, is a believer in Jesus Christ, and they are on this journey. And so they are disciples, obviously. And lots of questions we might want to ask about that person. Uh, someone who has moved along in the journey from a Holy Spirit-inspired interest in the good news and they are continuing to make progress in their faith. And so what we need to ask ourselves is how do we help these three, uh, three points in the journey? What are we doing to assist the Blue Cross? What are we doing to encourage the Red Cross? What are we doing to support and bring on in their faith the Green Cross? And uh, that is where our challenge, I believe, lies. If we are to be disciple makers. And so I thought it would be helpful if we had a a couple of people just share with us how they in practice do this and so i'm going to ask my daughter annalee who uh, runs an organization in dundee called young lives which is a ministry to single teenage mothers to just come and share briefly how she takes Green crosses to blue crosses. <laughs> blue, blue crosses, crosses to green crosses. Green crosses. <laughs> 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 it was you and I'll do as Thank you. It's so lovely to have a chance to come and share with you. I don't often get through on a Sunday, so it's really special to have a chance to come and share a little with you this Sunday evening. Dad, my dad, as he was saying, um, my journey with his organisation, with the ministry that I get to be part of, was an invitation. God invited me to participate in something that he wanted to do. And I was only willing to say yes. Didn't have any special qualifications, didn't have any kind of know it all, know how to do this, but I was willing to say, okay, Lord, 
I see that you're asking me to do something. So I said, yes. Um, so as um, Dad asked us to share, Clay and I work for the same organisation, Young Life International, which some of you may have heard of or have had a chance to hear Clay share. Clay works, we both work with teenagers. Clay works with teenagers of all ages. As Dad said, I work um, very kind of intentionally with teenage mums. That was where I felt God um, called me to minister. And um, so mainly in Dundee, Tayside area, um, teenage mums. And um, the one thing that we share in common is our mission statement, which says that we, and this is what we feel God's called us to do, is to introduce teenagers to Jesus Christ and help them grow in their faith. And so there's two parts to that. We have to introduce them to Jesus and we have to help them grow in their faith. We have to do part of the discipleship. And so just to share a little bit very practically of how we go about doing that and then Clay will share a little bit more in terms of stories and things. I, um, as I said, with teenage mums, we believe that the introducing part means we need to get active. We need to go to where teenage mums are um, and so for us, that has looked very different over the years. We, we looked at where did teenage mums meet? Where are teenage mums? How am I going to get to know these folks? How am I going to become their friend? We did some work on the streets. That was great for a while, although a bit tricky. And we realised that actually teenage mums were very often isolated and very often lacked confidence. So we didn't see them in lots of social places. And so... We kind of prayed over that and thought, Lord, how, how do we reach these young women? How do we go to where they are? How do we meet them on their turf, if you like? And so God led us to quite a creative idea to take over um, a soft play facility in, in Dundee called the Fun Factory. So we started doing that for over a year. We um, put an open invitation on social media to all teenage mums to come. We would pay for them to come into this um, soft play area and no conditions attached. We would pay for them to come. We'd give them a snack. We wanted to get to know them and we wanted to introduce them to one another. And so we saw many young girls coming and that was wonderful. And for us, that was just this beautiful opportunity to come alongside, to get to know them by name, to really build deep and very real friendships. Um, there was no conditions attached to why we wanted to get to know them other than we loved them and Jesus loved them and we were desperate to kind of be involved in their lives and show them what it looked like to have a family around them. I mean, like everybody, young mums want to be known. They want to feel like they belong. They want to be part of a family. And so we wanted to very practically show that. And so we had this long time over a year of meeting with them every fortnight at the fun factory getting to know some of the girls really well so that was one place we met teenage mums it's looked different over the years but um this year god really prompted us to um visit some young mums that were in carsview mental um, health facility in dundee and it's been just God leading us step by step to know what does it look like for us to go into their lives, to go into their world. And so we've been visiting there a few times a week. Um, but what that really was is just friendship, just coming to um, come alongside, walking with them through their journey of parenting and um, becoming friends. And that gave us opportunity then as we got to know them to go out for coffee to take them to the park, to go shopping, the very, very simple things, nothing complicated about it at all. But as we spent time with these lovely young women and became our friends, we then earned the right to be heard. We earned the opportunity to share something of our story, something of our lives, something of the good news and the hope that we know and have found in Jesus with them. And 
I would say that that friendship, just to be clear, it was unconditional. It wasn't dependent on any choices they were making about faith. It isn't dependent on any choices they make about faith or really any life choices that they make. It was really just a friendship, a very simple friendship. But over time, because of that very real friendship, God gave us opportunity to share something of who he is. We were able to invite these young mums to a club that we run once a week. Um, a fun, wonderfully exciting opportunity to play games together, do crafts together, play with their children, eat meals together, um, and have a chance to share something of who Jesus is. Not the complicated stuff, not the wonderful, deep, meaty stuff that we find in scripture, just simply, who is this Jesus? Because the young people in our culture and nation communities today, some of them have never even heard of the name of Jesus. And so just a chance to say, this is who Jesus is to me. He's my friend. He's my father. He has been, you know, he provides for me. I go to him when I'm struggling. So to share who Jesus is and have a chance to, to maybe share some of our own personal stories. So again, very simple. And then we've had a chance to take some of those girls to what we call camp, a weekend opportunity to get away into the countryside where we present the gospel in a very kind of condensed um, experience a, a few meetings together where we really go through the gospel and have a chance to share it very clearly and we have watched over the years some girls coming to do that to make the commitment to Jesus and say I believe that Jesus died for me I believe that he loves me unconditionally I believe that I need him in my life and have made that commitment to faith um, over the years we've seen that little bit by little this past year in September we saw eight of our young teenage mom friends um, come to know Jesus and just to be clear one of them we'd known for two weeks one of them we'd known for six months Four of them we had known for approximately four years and a couple of them we'd known for about five and a half. So there's not a set timeline. There is a long-term vision. There is a, I'm in this for the, the long haul. Just like friendship, we don't kind of time out a friendship. We're in it for the long haul with these girls. You know, just knowing that we do what we're called to do and Jesus does the rest. And so after camp, we often go back to our homes and the journey is still going. In fact, the journey is almost only beginning as well. And so we have, have small discipleship groups that we then run with these girls. Um, often it's been an alpha because often maybe a commitment hasn't been made at camp or a commitment hasn't yet, They've not quite come to that place. We've done alpha a few times. This year after camp, I started a different kind of connection group, we call it, where I was like, this is what God says in his word. But what does it look like to read the Bible? It can be quite complicated for someone who's never read it before. And some of the girls we work with actually don't read. And so how do I teach them to get out of scripture what I have been able to learn of who Jesus is? That's the journey that we have to do together. And I'm gonna be honest, sometimes we take two steps forward and five steps back, but it's an ongoing journey and a wonderful opportunity. I mean, such a, a beautiful opportunity for me to hear from them and understand what their lives look like, but also practical things like, what does it look like to pray? Like, what does that mean? Prayer is a bit of an alien concept if you have never been brought up in a church, if nobody has ever shared that with you. So how do I pray? What does that look like, my communication with God the Father, with Jesus? And very, very simple and practical things. And then also, what does it look like to become part of the local church? We don't ever want to be the church. We want to lead them into the big family of God. And so um, 
yeah, we've been able to see what that looks like for them to become part of churches and help churches to be able to have these kids running around all over the place that aren't used to sitting in a, in a service for, you know, like we have been brought up to do. Um, but that has been a beautiful journey as well. And, and it's a, a thing where we're learning together all the time. So, um, yeah, that is some of the very practical things that we do um, on a weekly basis. Um, a lovely opportunity that the God, Lord has given us to, to share lives with others but nothing complicated about it. Very practical, but nothing complicated. But maybe Clay wants to come up now and I'll stop because I could go on all night and um, you can share some of the stuff that you've experienced, Clay. Sure. Did you the first picture? So um, I want to tell you about three people on this picture. Two of them will look really familiar. One of them might not look so familiar, um, but I want to take them in turn. This was taken in the spring of 2017. It was my first school year on staff with Young Life. And um, for those of you who have been in the church for a while, you'll recognize this guy right here, Ewan Johnston. When I met Ewan, he was already volunteering with Young Life. He had been in and out of the schools and he was heavily invested. During his last year, or second to last year, he started to feel a call to work for Young Life. And he worked with us part-time his last year at school, and then he went to work for Young Life in Perth. Now, things didn't go that great in Perth. One of the things that happened was uh, 2020, and he really struggled to find his feet in ministry. And I remember talking through him, talking with him the whole thing, and he said, I really feel like God is calling me to pastor. I really feel like he wants to pastor me in the church. And I said, mate, go wherever God calls you. And he did. Um, the next picture is his, uh, this, if you recognize, was a snapshot on my phone, but this is Gala Shields Baptist Church website where Ewan is now pastoring. And I remember the early days of his pastoring, he went down there and he said, Clay, there is nothing happening for teenagers down here. We've got to get young life started. Last summer, he hosted a one-day event similar to what we do in Tayport every year at SummerSlam, and he said they had close to 100 teenagers turn up for a one-day event. He was praying and he was asking God, God, give us a team like you've given a team to St. Andrews to come over every year. And a couple days later, there was an email in his inbox from a church in Michigan from, uh, I think it was the daughter of a pastor who said, I've worked for Young Life before, I volunteer now, I studied in Scotland, I want our church to serve in Scotland. How do we get started? So this summer, he's going to host a Young Life Day Camp in the borders of Scotland to reach teenagers. Can you go back to the first picture, Clayton? Sorry. Second person you'll all know very well. My fist is sort of blocking out his face. But it's George Finn. A lot of you will know George. George is a local kid, a Madras kid, grew up in Tayport, working class family. Average Scottish teenager, uh, two generations removed from Christian belief. Faith meant nothing to him if you talked to him. He would have told you he was an atheist without any clue of what that meant. But when Jeff Stables, the guy who started Young Life in Northeast Fife, turned up on his campus with pizza, just hoping that someone would talk to him, George made friends. Jeff kept showing up in his life, helped him with a fundraiser to raise funds for a, a skate park in Tayport. When I turn up and I'm working for Young Life, I meet George at my very first SummerSlam. Ewan convinces him to come to camp and I get to be in a cap in my very first camp with George. Now, George was leaving school early. He's a dyslexic kid. He grew up his whole life feeling stupid. And so I remember that night he said, I, I want this. And we prayed that night 
and he, he, he met Jesus in our cabin. A week later, I'm sitting with him and we were going through this book called Mark in a Month. And I said, George, how are you getting on? And he said, well, I like it, but the readings are too short. I've read the whole thing already. And I read that other Bible, Matthew, and I'm halfway through Luke. Okay, good, good work, George. Um, and then he said, yeah, yeah. And then if I really like something, like I'll write it down and I'll write down what I like about it. Okay, you're doing well. And then he said, yeah, yeah. And then if I really like something, I'll say it over and over again to myself until I have it memorized. And he starts quoting all the scripture that he'd memorized in the last seven days since he met Jesus. So George spent that last next year working at Tesco, coming to our Bible study, still technically a young life kid, being what we would call a junior leader, just sort of in and around the leadership all the time, a deeper level of discipleship. Uh, in a year, he became an apprentice for the uni and was doing roofing and slating because he's a working class dude and he's good with his hands and that's what he thought he was going to do. And I remember when he was volunteering for us, I would meet up with him all the time. We'd talk about life. We would talk about Jesus. And I remember about a year and a half, almost about a year and a half, which had been halfway through his apprenticeship, he was saying, Clay, I really hate this. I don't do anything. I feel like I'm not doing anything with my life. I want to quit. And I said, George, no matter what you do, if you come out of this in three years, you'll have a qualification and, and then you can think about something else, but stick to it, man. Don't let it go. And so he did. And then sort of four or five, six months later, he said, I'm really glad that you told me not to quit because a few weeks later, my boss pulled me aside and said, I'm really glad you're in this workplace because there's always a positive light energy whenever you're around. Well, he finished his apprenticeship, decided he didn't want to be a roofer. And if you'll notice, you haven't seen George around in a while. It's not because he doesn't like us, but it's because he doesn't want the attention George decided that he was going to go to Sterling and work with our country director. He's doing Bible college distance and he's working for Young Life part-time. Go to photo number three. So this is George with some kids at Cairn Bray last summer. Every Tuesday, he hosts Toasty Tuesday for Wallace High School and hundreds of high school kids come in and they get to see George and his smiling face as he tries to love them. Back to the first one one more time. Is that a real sword? This, <laughs> it was not a real sword. <laughs> this is Jamie. Jamie is also a local Madras Tayport kid. Now, I met Jamie when he was in S2. And Jamie grew up in a tiny parish church in Tayport. He didn't like it. He was the youngest person there by, I don't want to say. But he was the only young person in his church. And he wasn't sure what to make of Christianity, but if, if this was it, he wasn't sure that's what he wanted. And then Young Life showed up, and we're loud, and we're obnoxious, and we're fun. And he said, well, maybe if this is what Christianity can be, I'm into it. And so Jamie came to our Bible studies. He came to our clubs. I would see him in school, and i give him a hard time about this now. And he would see me with his friends, and I'd say, hey, Jamie. And he would just sort of sheepishly wave and then run away because it was cool enough to be at Young Life, but he didn't want his friends to know that the keen adult who came in who was too enthusiastic to be friendly, um, he knew that guy. So, so that was Jamie. But as Jamie went through high school, he kept taking a step further towards Jesus and a step further towards Jesus and a step further towards Jesus. And somewhere around his fifth or sixth year, it clicked for him. that follow, He wanted to follow Jesus and he wanted his friends at Madras to follow Jesus too. And so as last year in Madras, I invited him into junior leadership at Well. I said, come be a part of junior leadership meetings. Come and see what it's like to reach other Madras pupils. And so he did. 
And I remember there was one particular kid at our club named Logan. And he would come, he was a P7, he was the youngest kid there, and he was always by himself. And I said, Jamie, here's the deal. If you can befriend Logan and convince him to come to camp, you're coming to wildlife camp as a leader. And he said, great. And our plan was on track, but that was the autumn of 2019. 2020 hit. Now, Jamie stuck around and we tried to do stuff. I remember our, our big event of that summer of 2020 was SummerSlam Online. And like most online alternatives, it was something, but it was not good. <laughs> it was not good. But we tried something. And we had a grand total of three kids turn up for all the virtual stuff that we did. Logan was one of them. On the last day, we had this big trivia thing where we offered a 50-pound Amazon gift voucher to the person who could answer the trivia questions from SummerSlam online all week. Logan did not win. But I texted Logan on the side. I said, hey, there's a special second place prize. You get to go with me and Jamie to Five Guys. And so that's what we did. In the summer of 2020, between lockdowns, we met Jamie at Tay we met Logan at Tay Bridge Access, and we walked the bridge to Dundee so we could take Logan to five guys. We didn't see Logan after that. We couldn't get back into the schools. We just got on with it. We would throw Frisbees over here behind the museum when kids would walk by for lunch, but, but we couldn't get back into the schools. In the meantime, Jamie became a university student here at St. Andrews and he started working for us part-time. Now, October of this past year, the school invited us back in. And once a week, we get to go to games club. We get to host a games club in the school and kids come through and we get to chat to them. It's like we're finally doing contact work again and we're meeting new kids. Week before last, I'm standing there and out of the corner of my eye, I see this six foot one third year who looks vaguely familiar. And it's Logan. And Logan comes up and gives me a big hug. And then Logan... This past Thursday, Jamie wasn't there that week. Logan, this past Thursday, snuck back into Games Club and I called Jamie over and we talked and we talked and we talked to Logan for an hour before the bell rang. And as me and Jamie were leaving, this kid who used to ignore me in the school and I were talking about what we're going to do, what we're going to do to convince Logan to come to camp this summer. So if you could go back to the first picture one more time. The thing I was trying to figure out in 2017 that I kind of accidentally did, which I do on purpose now, is what we've been talking about all night. I am following Jesus. In 2017, I didn't know what young life was. My invitation was, hey, I'm following Jesus. Will you come follow Jesus with me? And that was the invitation for a kid who was dealing with his call for ministry. That was the invitation for a kid who knew nothing about Jesus. And that was the invitation for a kid who was struggling with his faith. It was always the same. I'm following Jesus. Will you come and follow Jesus with me? Thank you, Annalie and Clayton. What they've shared, of course, is not exclusively for them. That's what we're all called to do. We're called to be disciples who become disciple makers. And uh, we're run out of time, but I just want to very quickly summarize with a, a, a couple of slides here. When I was thinking about this journey, uh, it, four words came to describe what the journey is about. 
And the first one was curiosity. Now, uh, I can't remember which colour was on the, on the left. <laughs> this, is, this is the blue, the blue cross. Uh, it's not natural human curiosity. It's what I would call a Holy Spirit-inspired curiosity. It's where uh, Annalee meets someone or uh, Clayton meets someone. Uh, where we meet someone, we get into a conversation with them and they begin to get curious. And I believe that on a Sunday morning, we have people in our services who are in this category. They wouldn't say they were in this category. They're coming for various reasons. I won't mention the reasons and I won't mention the people, but there are people coming to our services who are not yet believers in Jesus. But the Holy Spirit has begun to uh, put this curiosity into their lives. And then the second word was commitment. That's the Red Cross in the middle. They come and they eventually meet with Jesus, as Anley and Clayton have shared, and they make a commitment to Jesus. And then we have community. And so it, they come to a point where they begin to be familiar with God's word, with God's people, and they become part of the fellowship of God's people. They still need support. They still need help. They may uh, need uh, support with understanding God's word, with how to pray, how to read the word, how to understand the word of God. Many different areas, but they are part of this community. This community that Jesus is building. I will build my church. I will build my fellowship. And they become part of that. But then I felt there's a fourth uh, C. Commission. This is where we come to Acts chapter 1. Where Jesus said you shall be my witnesses. And you shall go out. And you shall be in Jerusalem. And Judea and Samaria. And to the very ends of the earth. Commission. The point where disciples become disciple makers. And we see Saw with Clayton, with George, Finn, a beautiful example of someone who has come to this point where he is commissioned. He is a disciple maker. And I've got statistics. I'm not going to bore you with the statistics. But I want you to imagine an evangelist who is incredibly successful and he leads hundreds of people to Christ every year. And I want you to imagine a George Finn who leads one person to Christ and leads them to a place where they become a disciple maker. And that disciple maker does the same. And George does the same the next year. If you want to see the statistics, 
within 30 years, the one who has led one to Christ and created a disciple maker, his total figure is way, way beyond what the evangelist has achieved by leading people to be believers without making them disciple makers. And so we have these four different areas. Curiosity, commitment, community, commission. And I just want to say to you tonight and say to myself, where am I? Where am I in this category? Am I a disciple maker? Or am I content to be part of the community? The fellowship. Enjoy all that the fellowship offers me. Perhaps I'm just still curious. And perhaps I'm just at the point of making my commitment. Wherever you are, wherever I am, God's challenge to us tonight is to be part of that commission. No matter how we old we are, no matter how young we are, we can be disciple makers. And the challenge for us is to be one for his glory. Because that is what he's called us to be. And we don't do it in our own strength. And we don't do it in our own intelligence. We do it as submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the power of the Holy Spirit.